People, 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 welcome back to the Sock Takes Pod. This is episode 58. We're sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. We got a fantastic show lined up for you today. I'm your host, Kevin Johnston. We got two others with me today. My co-host is a Sock Takes staff writer, also uh, wrote the book on the Indiana Hoosiers men's soccer program, and I don't mean that as an idiom. She literally wrote the book on Indiana soccer called The Kickin' Hoosiers. It's Catherine Knapp. Catherine, welcome to the show, and thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. And our guest panelist today is a returning a returnee. Uh, you might know him as the head coach of Detroit City FC, and he's also the assistant coach for the Michigan State Spartans. Congratulations to them. They are in the College Cup, which will be the focal point of today's podcast. It's Ben Pierman. Ben, thanks so much for joining us again. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So it sounds like you're going to travel out to Santa Barbara for the College Cup uh, tomorrow, I believe you said, before we started recording. So I'm curious to know kind of what the, what the travel experience is like and with the potential of two games coming up this weekend, um, you know, potential of Friday and then again Sunday for the final, how light do you guys go in training? Uh, you know, once you arrive on site in Santa Barbara, uh, is it just super light? Is it just kind of some real easy stuff on the ball, some light jogging? What exactly is on the uh, the, the training regimen? Well, it's, it's, it's different for each team. Um, you know, we, we were the only team out of the four uh, that actually played Saturday. So we had our recovery sessions and then preparation work immediately after. So, you know, it's just like any other week of preparation where you, you, you probably, you know, have it balanced out based upon the, the physical periodization needs and, and as well as the, the tech or the uh, tactical focus to, to prepare. So probably we'll, we'll train tomorrow um, in the morning before we depart uh, for California. And then Thursday will be a normal day before the match preparation game uh, training session. So it'll be definitely taper off as the week goes on, but we had a good session tonight and uh, you know, we're just, we're just focused on preparing. We got a really tough game Friday night, and obviously all, all the uh, three other teams in the tournament are, are, are very top-notch. We've played all three so far this season. And are you guys actually able to train on the pitch you'll be playing on in Santa Barbara, or, or no? Do you have to wait until just an hour or two before the game for that? So the way it works is um, each team will get an opportunity to train at their training facility, which is adjacent to the, to the match stadium. Um, and then you get a little walkthrough on the, on the match stadium. Usually in the NCAA tournament, you get about an hour or so on the field to train the day before. But with four teams training um, in two matches, they don't want to you know, risk the, the quality of the field. So the training field is basically identical. The, the facilities out there are immaculate. So we're, we're excited and you know, we're, we're uh, eager to hit the ground running. And Catherine, we'll jump over to you real quick. Um, I'm curious yeah. to know your book, The Kick and Hoosiers, which uh, you wrote during the, the Jerry Yeagley era, which is the current Indiana men's head coach, Todd Yeagley's father. Uh, what exactly motivated you to, to ink this book? Um, just the history of the program. I mean, I was there at a great time in the late 90s. I've just aged myself, but that's fine. Um, when we had some of the top teams in the nation and just watching those teams, watching a team in 1997 that was 23-0, and they lost in the semifinal. It was a heartbreaking, gut-wrenching loss. And after that, they came back and won the next two championships. It was just an amazing story and a great program to watch. 
you know that with Indiana soccer, once they get kicked down, they find a way to get back up. And it's it's just fun. The tradition's great. The program, all the people I've dealt with over the years have been top-notch. And it was a great story that needed to be told. And I've always felt, from a personal standpoint, that college soccer in this country doesn't get nearly the coverage it should. And Catherine will be out there in Santa Barbara providing coverage for Sock Take. So definitely hit up our website and check that out this weekend. Uh, Catherine, I'm curious to know, how do you think that this 2018 Indiana program stacks up amongst the, the program's all-time greats? You know, every every team has its special players and every team has its special story. But this team, from what, you know, watching them from the beginning of the season, as they've progressed, they are just a complete team from front to back. There's not a lot of weakness. And the good thing is that even if there is a player that is out because of, you know, card accumulation or injury or whatever, there's another player right sitting on the bench ready to come in that can step in and do almost as good a job. So that says speaks volumes about the program. Um, the team, I don't know, I, they're hungry. These guys are hungry. And the new guys that came in just wanted to help. You know, they all bought into the quest for the ninth championship and they all are fueling the fire. And it's just an exciting, exciting time for the, for the club. And they're happy. They're calm, relaxed. That's a great team to watch. You know, it's going to be a good game. They're going to play their hearts out. That's fun. That's fun for everyone. And Coach Pierman's Michigan State Spartans are playing Akron in the semifinals. On the other side, it's Indiana against Maryland in the other semi. Uh, the winners will meet Sunday. Uh, I'm curious to know, Ben, you're kind of in a unique position. I guess um, I think Indiana played Akron in exhibition play this season. But as far as a meaningful game, uh, the Spartans are the only squad that has played uh, all three of the other teams in the College Cup in a meaningful match. So um, you played all, all the games were very close. Um, it looks like with against Maryland, you guys beat them 2-0 in the regular season and then narrowly lost 1-0 in the Big Ten tourney. Lost to Indiana in overtime, 1-0, gave them a run for their money. And against Akron, uh, you fell at home. So this is a, a rematch coming up uh, against Akron. Uh, you fell at home in East Lansing 2-1 to on October 9th. The stats in that match look fairly even. I wasn't able to watch the match nor a replay of it. So could you kind of give me a, a synopsis of that match and uh, cap it off with how you think things might play out similarly or differently this time around? Yeah, I mean, as you referenced, we, um, you know, we had we, we've we've played four matches against the, the other three teams in the in the tournament still left. So obviously we feel we're, we're prepared um, all all three of those games that we lost were at the, you know, end of our season where we kind of were struggling to score goals. We had, we had a few injuries um, and just, you know, one of the, one of those roller coasters of a season where your things aren't going your way. So Akron, as you can tell they're I mean, all three teams are top teams, um, you know, along with ourselves. So Akron is one of the best possession based teams in the country. Um, they've got a big time center forward, um, you know, right back does very well getting forward. Um, and then their left wingers really, really hot right now, along with their goalie. So, um, you know, they lost a lot of players from last season, which was a final four team, but as they always do, they just seem to reload. They start three freshmen and a transfer across the back line. So we, 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 we had a very wide open game against them in the, in, in October, which is not always common. Um, 
you know, and, and we actually felt that it favored us. We, we were better in transition. We, we created more chances, but they just, they were timely. Um, and they, they actually did a very good job of, of punishing us. And I think we've had to learn from that in the, in the way Akron is trending right now, they're a little bit more rugged and they've used to used to be um they do a very good job both both in attacking and defensive transition um and they also they also obviously like i referenced they do a very good job in in possession so they're they're flying high just like the other teams in the tournament so we've got to make sure we're prepared to deal with them and they're going to have to make sure they're prepared to deal with us but you know they're jared Jared's, if not the best coach in the country, he's one of them. And all, really all the coaches in the tournament are, are tremendous. So we'll be up against it. I think all, all four teams, it, it's going to be a tight, tight race. And I think we're all excited, but we've got to all play to our abilities. And we're looking forward, you know, to ourselves personally to, to putting the best showcase on that we can and, and really, really going for it. And of the four teams left, three, of course, are from the Big Ten. In all your time watching Big Ten soccer, uh, watching it, being a part of it, being involved with it, would you say that 2018 is perhaps the most competitive season you've ever seen in Big Ten men's soccer? Um, I, definitely in the NCAA tournament. You know, University of Michigan uh, advanced out of the first round on penalties and then lost in the second round on penalties. So you had four, four teams do very well. But if you look at it last year, we were in the Elite Eight. Wisconsin was in the Sweet 16. Indiana was was uh, in, in the final. So it's it's a it's a trend. The Big Ten does very very well in the NCAA tournament. You know we've been in the Elite Eight for the last six years. The only other team in the country that can say that is Stanford. Um, Indiana's back to back Final Four. Maryland with their history. So the Big Ten in general is is right there with the ACC as one of the top two conferences in the country. And I think if you look at the the professionals in MLS and USL, a lot of them are coming from from the Big Ten schools. So, you know, it's it's definitely competitive. Um, you know, it's it's hard to say that the regular season was ultra competitive because Indiana ran away with it quite a bit there. But um, you know, all you look at look look at the three teams in the Final Four, and all three teams are going for a, a national championship. So, definitely competitive. Um, you know iron sharpens iron almost in a sense. So, you, you, you know, we, we've been against these teams all season, and I think it's, it's one of these things where all these teams are going to be ready to go come Friday night. And, Catherine, I know you said you were at the Big Ten Tournament Conference Final that um, previous mm-hmm. Sunday. Uh, I was out there Friday on the 9th. I'm not sure if you had a chance to watch that Maryland game, but we mentioned these teams are quite familiar with one another. Um, Indiana and Maryland are no different obviously um most recently they played in the the big 10 tournament semifinal with indiana advancing in penalties it was 1-1 after regulation overtime and indiana actually fell down um early on in the shootout came back to win 4-3 in penalties uh did you catch any of that game Catherine? and what were your thoughts I did. I did. Maryland's always dangerous. I mean, Maryland has been dangerous since before they were a part of the Big Ten. You never know what they're going to bring. They always bring, you know, a great competitive game, and they're just dangerous, honestly. Um, It was a little scary there for a few minutes, but, you know, I felt that Indiana was composed throughout all of it. Even though they did fall down, they didn't give up, which I think says a lot about the team. Um, You know, but you got to watch Maryland. They'll sneak in there when you're not looking. <laughs> they always do. They always do. And they always say that 
and I'm sure um, Ben can can elaborate on this, but if you, the more you play a team, the more familiar you are and the more dangerous it becomes to beat that team. Is that true, Ben? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a tough one, especially with the familiarity in the Big Ten. You referenced the Big Ten tournament game, but the regular season game when Indiana hosted Maryland, uh, Indiana won with like 17 seconds left on the clock. Back and forth game, right. tremendous addition in the rain. So it's, it's one of those things where Maryland and Indiana, and that you look at both games where we, the the last two games we we lost in overtime to both Indiana and Maryland. So it's it's uh it, there's a lot of familiarity, which which that tends to, oh, I want to say even the playing field in a certain sense, but it makes it tougher. It makes it tougher to to break teams down. It makes it tougher to to to, to do what that your team wants to do. So, you know, it's really, you know, Akron. They're not in the Big Ten, but. They're in the Midwest. They know everybody inside and out. So it's going to be a lot of familiarity. There's, we were joking around with the Akron staff already that, you know, we don't we don't even need to scout. It's more uh, just making sure we're, we're doing a lot of the same things. <laughs> right, right. I'm sure. I'm sure. And of course, it's worth noting in that semifinal match between Indiana and Maryland, IU was without Justin Rennicks and Griffin Dorsey, two of their better players were with Todd Ramos's under-20 U.S. Uh, men's national team squad for a CONCACAF tournament. Uh, and Indiana still got the job done, of course. Uh, Dorse, Dorsey was able to join the team uh, two days later and play. He immediately stepped into the starting 11 um, in that championship match against Michigan. Uh, ironically, the, the, the score was a bit wider in the, the IU-Michigan game, but my personal thoughts were I thought that um, Indiana actually played better on that Friday against Maryland, even though the, you know, the result was way closer. Um, per- perhaps the best player on the pitch, maybe the best player in the country, Andrew Gutman, the left back for the Hoosiers, absolutely dominated in that game. Um, he scored a Galazzo, if I recall. I think he, he dribbled at least three or four players, uh, got all the way into the box, and then it even had kind of an odd finish to the play. It sort of, he kind of lost possession or took maybe a heavy touch once he got in the box. And it kind of created like a 50-50 ball. And he actually kind of beasted on the defender, like regained possession and then finished. So it was absolutely remarkable. He dribbled the whole team, regained possession, and then scored. Uh, Maryland simply had no answer for him. Uh, and I talked to uh, Todd Yeagley after the championship match because Michigan actually contained Gutman quite a bit better than Maryland did. And I asked Todd Yeagley that, that exact thing. And uh, he basically, I, I asked him what did Michigan do differently to, to somewhat contain Gutman that Maryland was unable to do. And uh, he essentially laughed and said that, uh, you know, Gutman likes winning more than he does attacking. And it was pretty much just a matchup thing. Um, they were really concerned about Hallahan on Michigan, a very talented attacker for the Wolverines. And so Gutman kind of just situationally decided to stay home a little bit more, uh, stay more true to his defensive commitments. Although he did, of course, he always gets up the pitch a little bit and con- contributes to the attack, but it just wasn't quite as noticeable in that Big Ten uh, tournament championship game. Anyway, moving on, uh, Catherine, how would you yeah. describe IU's style of play? Well, I mean, honestly, I think they're very versatile. They can bring whatever whatever they want to the table um, from the front to the back. And the good thing about, well, I don't know, if you're an IU fan, I guess the good thing is you know that they're always going to defend. Defense is one of their top things, so they know as long as they can get a goal in the net, 
they're going to break it down wherever they can, and they're going to keep pushing forward. But at the same time, they're going to stop that opposing team's attack. So honestly, I would say they're versatile and anyone and anyone can contribute at any time, which is, which is the beauty of it. I mean, their leading scorer is a defender. That doesn't happen every season. And Ben, I'll ask you that same question. How would you describe Indiana's style of play and also Maryland's for that matter? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Catherine. They they do a lot of defending first, um, but really, you know, one of the words that I would describe them is practical. Um, you referenced uh, Gutman in the final, who, I'll be honest with you, it, it's not May. He is the best player in the country. Um, <laughs> you know, I know Shin Yashiki's got a billion goals, but I'd be shocked if Gutman didn't win the Herman. But Indiana just, they know how to win. They're bought in. They their repressure high up the field is tremendous. Um, they play with a lot of courage. They play with a lot of practicality. They get a lot of balls in the box. They, they cause problems, and they're not doing it for style points. Um, they're doing it to get to get results, and they, they've shown that they've really been the best at that probably up to this point in the season. Um, Maryland actually are actually very similar in, in some practicality. They do it other ways. I think they're, they're a little bit, uh, you know, more loose in in their attack they'll throw a little bit more numbers forward they'll get they'll try to press teams higher up the field um which which causes some some moments in transition against them if they can get exposed um you know the other thing is maryland have uh you know they 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 haven't been um in the final four as recently as indiana but they have as a as a culture and a program they have a lot of experience and expectations so you know outside of the end of last year, but the last two years before that, they were probably the, the best team in the regular season in the country for two years in a row without losing many games. So they have a lot of, they have a very good pedigree. They have a very good aura about them, about going out and getting results. And, and you know, to be honest, like at Akron are almost very similar They're They do it more with their possession in a little bit more uh, tactically scheming and in, in, in a little bit more fluid than most teams, but they were in the final four last year. They, they, they've won a lot of trophies in their time. So, you know, you're, you're dealing with teams that know how to get results. Um, you know, you're dealing with teams that know how to play very good soccer, but they also know how to defend. They also know what it takes to, to win games. So it'll be, I think it'll be super fun. It'll be exciting. I think, uh, you know, Catherine referenced earlier the, the concept of coverage and, 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 you know, exposure of college soccer in general. And I think it's grown and grown and grown and, and the sport is just getting so much better. And I think hopefully that we can all put on a good show this weekend. If you missed the beginning of the show, Michigan State assistant coach Ben Pierman is our guest. He's also, also the head coach of Detroit City FC. But, of course, with College Cup coming up this weekend, we're not going to delve into Detroit City FC on this episode. Uh, I definitely would encourage you to check out episode 41, which Ben was also a guest on, which was um, very heavy on Detroit City FC. So definitely go check that out. Uh, you mentioned Gutman, Ben, and I know uh, you've you've messaged me before with your scouting report. So, as a head coach, as an assistant coach, you've got a keen eye, kind of kind of a scout's eye, if you will. Uh, who do you think are some of the best pro pro prospects at the College Cup besides Gutman? Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably a foregone conclusion that Gutman will sign with the Fire, especially with Brain and Vincent retiring. Um, but you know, if you look each team, you know. Uh, David Agbo with Akron is a generation Adidas target. Marcel Sajak um, is, is a Canadian prospect who still has one more year of eligibility. Ben Lunt, the goalkeeper, is one of the, one of the better goalkeeper prospects. Um, 
you know, Abdi Muhammad's probably one of the better out, outside backs. He's a senior. He's, he's tied with the crew as a homegrown player. I'm not sure, you know, that status. You look at our, our club, we've got, we actually are very senior laden with nine seniors and we have, we have two underclassmen that get a lot of, a, a lot of looks that could potentially, um, you know, as well. So, you know, I look at our group, Jimmy Haig is, I, I, I rate him as, you know, Trey Muse took it this year, but Jimmy took it last year as the Big Ten Goalkeeper of the Year. Jimmy's got to be one of the top one or two goalkeepers that's a senior in the country coming out. He's a really high-end prospect. Um, you know, Giuseppe Baroni's a junior's, you know, Big Ten Midfielder of the Year, and I, I arguably say he's one of the top players in the country. Um, you know, we also, Ryan Tarakowski with the fire, Dewan Jones uh, is striker out on the wing as well. So, there's, there's good prospects there. You look at Indiana, they have a ton of seniors as well, but their best prospects are underclassmen outside of Gutman. So you got Trey Muse, who's a Sounders kid, um, Big Ten goalkeeper of the year. You reference Rennick. Um, he's tied with the Revolution. He's a U-20 World Cup starter, which, you know, I'd be surprised if, if he doesn't move on, but he's a top player. Griffin Dorsey's another generation Adidas target um, on the wing for them from Colorado. They also have a couple of seniors, Jeremiah Guchar, um, you know, Frankie Moore, who are, who are good players. And then Maryland as well. I think their best prospects are underclassmen with, with their goalkeeper, St. Clair, out of Toronto. And Donovan Pines is homegrown with the, with the D.C. United. So they'll have options. And you look at their seniors, I think Amar Sajek in the attacking midfield role has really, really come on since they've changed their system. And he's, he's in his most natural number 10 position. And then, you know, Andrew Samuels as well, who can be a little bit versatile as a midfielder or outside back. So the, the, the prospects that, that are in the, in the cup this weekend will, will be on show. And I think, um, you know, again, referencing Catherine, this is another opportunity for college soccer to be exposed on the highest, highest level to showcase how good these players are. You look at our senior national team, you look at MLS, I mean, you can even look overseas. There's a lot of college soccer, former college soccer players playing professionally, helping this country develop. And Ben, I'm curious Absolutely. to know um, if you think there's a specific, uh, if there's a vulnerability somewhere in the Hoosiers' armor, what do you think it is? Well, you know, it's, it's a tough one. I think they really are the, the, probably the most complete team on the season thus far. Um, I reference their practicality. I, I would say that if you, can, if you can deny them getting around the box, um, you know, potentially you can, you can prevent them from creating chances. Um, but with that being said, there, there aren't a lot of ton of holes in their game. I think they're very stout defensively. I think they transition up and down very well. Um, they can, they can be a good possession team. They can also be direct if they need and get to some stuff higher up the field. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're tough in, in terms of, of breaking them down, but also, uh, you know, getting after yourselves, you know, and I think they're, they're, they, they're probably the favorites. They're the highest ranked seed. They were in the national final last year. And, um, you know, it's, it's good for them, but again, you know, you look at it, I think all four teams have a very, very fair shot. And Catherine, I'll throw that one over to you as well. Do you think this Indian Hoosier squad has a weakness and what's the, the recipe for beating them? I mean, I agree with Ben. I think, you know, if you can stop them from getting into the box and creating their, their attacks, I mean, anytime a corner kick goes in or a free kick goes in, you just kind of, you know, that things are going to happen. Um, so if you can stop that, then maybe you can slow down their attack. But I, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I've seen Hoosier teams after they lose in the NCAA tournament, they come out and they're pretty tough. So I, 
I wouldn't bet against them if I were betting. I would never do that. But if I were, they're pretty tough. And I'll tackle this one as well. Uh, having watched a bunch of Hoosiers lately, covered them uh, extensively over the last two months. I kind of feel like, uh, I guess it's kind of obvious because Notre Dame looks so good, but kind of what Notre Dame did the first half, this most recent game against the Hoosiers, which, uh, Ben, you mentioned Frankie Moore. Part of the reason that Notre Dame was so effective is because Frankie Moore was nursing kind of a bum hamstring. He only was able to go about 30 minutes on the night and later came in the second half and made a huge impact. But um, I think the recipe for success is I want to call it kind of like, you know, um, a mid a mid press, not a high press. You know, if Indiana wants to knock the ball around in the back, I think you let them do that. You know, if they want to waste a little time because they're so dangerous going forward. So definitely don't high press them, in my opinion. Um, I, I think that what Notre Dame was so effective at is they, they kind of swarmed the midfield. And once that ball, you know, came from the back into the, the CDM or into the winger, they really attacked and tried to jump on that second ball. So as soon as the ball entered the midfield, um, there were multiple guys flying, um, closing space, closing the ball, sealing up passing lanes. And they really caused Indiana a ton of headaches there in the first half. Um, and another, what, what it kind of reminded me of is uh, I saw – a game in person in 2017 it was indiana at butler um butler of course had a kind of a treacherous season this year but they were very stellar last year and uh, i think that game ended in a 1-1 draw or sorry i think it was a nil-nil draw actually um but anyway what butler did is they kind of flooded the midfield with numbers which is sort of what notre dame did and in fact the bulldogs had as many as you know uh five guys regularly sometimes even six or or a seventh guy dropping back or um, really cramming the midfield and what it does is it just it, it kind of disrupts indiana they're, they're just so dynamic going forward um that if you're just able to frustrate them like i said once that ball enters the midfield then you really make a concerted group effort to prevent them from linking play up to the forwards or out wide or whatever so I don't know if I if I were playing against them, probably my recipe would be that. But like I said, it's it's far from certain because they they can beat you a number of ways. They're very versatile. They've got depth off the bench, um, and even if you like I said, you try to do that, who knows how many minutes Frankie Moore is able to go? Because it, when he was in there in the second half, things totally changed. Um, he he's a very good distributor. I, I interviewed him after the game, and uh, he described himself as the engine of the team. So. If assuming he's in there and playing, that's another thing you have to worry about. You really, you maybe uh, want to cut off some service to him, or as soon as he receives the ball, you know, don't let him make a dangerous pass to someone w- that's more attack-minded. Uh, so there's a number of ways to, to approach Indiana. None of them are maybe great, just because uh, you're probably going to be an underdog from the jump. But um, do you think that pretty well sizes up, uh, Ben, um, Indiana's game? Yeah, I think I think you're spot on. Um... You know, again, I think Catherine referenced this earlier. You take one guy out, you put another guy in, and they really don't miss a beat. You know, they missed Dorsey for a couple games at the World Cup. Rennick, you know, Moore goes down. It's next guy up. You know, Pancho comes in, starts, scores the game winner. So they may not have as sexy names as some of the other teams, but there, there isn't a deeper squad out there. So, you know, again, it's pick your poison. Um, you know, I, I can almost guarantee you Maryland will press high. That's, that's what they do. That's what gets them going. Um, you look at the trend over two games, Maryland, they lose 2-1 to one on a late goal in Bloomington. Then they, they lose on penalties in the tournament. 
Um, you know, I think it'll be a very tough game for both teams. I think the familiarity actually levels it out more than any sort of tactic or personnel or, 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 or that kind of structure. So it's definitely a unique one, um, but I think, you know, it'll, it'll be exciting to watch, especially, um, you know, in the second game of the evening. Well, Ben, we'll let you get out of here in a sec. One last question I got for you is simply how you would you characterize Michigan State's tactical setup um, and style of play. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, we're we've really been doing a lot of the same things for the last few years. Um, you know, similar to Indiana, we're very sound defensively, good goalkeeper, very good accountability. Um, you know, we do we do tend to build out and play a lot. I think that that'll be a very uh, you know intriguing matchup with Akron, who loves to to play. Um, you know, obviously the ultimate goal is to get in behind and score goals. So you know, there's different tactics, but I I, I think the matchup on Friday night, um, you know, hopefully it's it's not back and forth like crazy because it'll be warmer than we're both used to, and and um, you know whoever plays Friday or wins Friday will have to go again Sunday so it's going to be a huge quick turnaround but you know I think it's going to be a, a tough game for, for both games all four teams but you know I think I think that if, if if we can play in between the lines and get turned and get faced and ideally get in behind them um, you know then then that's our goal but really that's our goal against every team so it's, it, it's nothing nothing new. Catherine uh, any final questions for Ben before we let him go? No, I just want to wish Michigan State luck. Good luck, Ben. Uh, I appreciate that. Thank you guys very much for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Um, so pleased to have you. Uh, thanks to our panel today, Catherine Knapp, Socktakes contributor, and Michigan State assistant coach Ben Pierman. Uh, best of luck to the Spartans at the College Cup. And reminder, Catherine will be out in Santa Barbara uh, covering all the action for Socktakes.com. So definitely go check that out. I'm your host, Kevin Johnston. This was episode 58. Also, thank you to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and U.S. soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. We'll be back in another week or two with another episode of the Sock Takes Pod. Until then, we bid you farewell and remember to watch plenty of footy.